Hello folks, welcome back to the RLS podcast. We are on episode 87 and this week this week's episode is simply all about how to improve your sleep. Um yeah, there's a lot of known facts about sleep. There's a lot of unknown facts about sleep, but what we do know that's fucking important, like it's really really important for every single biological health marker that there is, every every sort of variable within your health it can be negatively or positively affected by sleep and um, lack of sleep, lack of deep sleep, um, broken sleep. Just if your sleep shit, there's a good chance there's going to be a hell of a lot of more knock-on effects within your life. So that's what we're about to to tap into just now. Now, it's this is not about like scaring you. Like if you don't get good sleep already and you've got some sort of kind of like medical problem that means that you can't get sleep, I want to make it very clear that I'm not, trying to cure that i am not an expert on sleep um i have just looked into this read a few books did a bit of research and would say that i sleep quite well myself i know anecdotally like actually speaking about yourself is not always the most helpful bit of evidence but i didn't used to sleep well i've always slept well in the sense of i've never had problems sleeping but fun fact about my sleeping actually until about the age of 13 i didn't know that i had to close my eyes to sleep it's the oddest thing in the world. Like I used to sit in my bed at night and just sit there with my eyes open, waiting for my eyes to physically close because I didn't know that to sleep I had to close my eyes. And I, I, I still remember it because I was, I was older. Like I was literally about twelve or thirteen. I was just like, oh, I need to close my eyes before I sleep. And it was just because someone eventually told me that's what I had to do. But I just sat there with my head looking at this, looking at the wall or looking at the roof and going, right, okay. Just wait until these eyes close and then they would close and they would close and eventually they would just they would close and I would fall asleep. But how odd is that? I didn't know I had to close my eyes to sleep. It's the strangest thing ever looking back. Um so a couple of fun facts about sleep. And it's quite an interesting one. So human beings spend one third of their life sleeping. Now that might seem like a waste of time, but it's definitely not a waste of time. I'm gonna tell you why as we move forward. Cats spend roughly two thirds of their life asleep. Other animals like koalas and bats can sleep up to 22 hours a day. I've always thought koalas are really sleepy. You barely see them moving. Um, I've seen a lot of them when I was in Australia, and they are just like, they're just certified gougers. Um, I'm not sure every, I'm not sure everyone knows what the word gouger means either. I'm not sure if that's like an invented weird far-for word. Um, so in 1964, a teenage boy named, this actually is a fucking funny name, Randy Gardner. It sounds like a... It sounds like a, a porno or something like that. A, a teenage boy named Randy Gardner, it's like a, oh, what's his name? Troy the Gardener off a still game. Um, went 11 consecutive days without without sleep for a science fair project. We reckon Randy's probably taken a few years off his life um, from that 11 days, and I'm not even exaggerating, he probably has. Um, also, did you know that sleeping actually burns calories? So as we know, the body, like I could sit on my arse all day long today and I would still burn like more calories than what I would do in a one hour workout your body needs to burn calories at rest like it burns calories by doing nothing just keeping you alive so excuse me when you're sleeping you actually burn around about 50 calories per hour that's obviously depending on person so it's around about maybe like 400 odd calories per night um and here's a slightly concerning um fact people that sleep less than six hours a night uh, run the risk of increasing their cardiovascular, like their chance of cardiovascular disease by over 200%. And 
they will increase by 200 to 300% um, the calcification of an artery, a.k.a. like, you know, once you hear someone say like, oh, you've got clogged arteries or you've got like, uh, oh, what's the other word for it? Like, well, like hypertension and things like that, which, as we know, can cause a heart attack. So if you needed any other reason as to why you should be getting more than six hours of night, six hours a night of sleep, then here's your reason. Um, also conditions I am not helping you with right now. I'm not helping you with anything as such. I'm just giving you some information which you can use yourself. Like I always use this phrase, like I'm planting seeds. I'm not fucking telling you what to do. I'm planting, planting the seed so that you can go, hmm, I should probably do something different about this. So I'm not helping you with insomnia, sleep apnea. Oh, I really need to mute this. How do I mute this now without actually, um, Restless leg syndrome, RLS, funnily enough, is the abbreviation for that. Um, shift work disorder, narcolepsy, um, and like I said insomnia. Okay, I need to I need to mute this. I need to mute this. I've been added to a group chat and I don't know. Right, okay. I've got it on hide alerts. So how does this work? Right, how do how do I mute this? How do I mute this? I've got it on like focus mode. Do not disturb mode. Surely that takes it off. Sorry about that. That's a slight disruption to my podcast, um, which happens when you're not in a professional podcast studio. Okay, so here's a question that every single person asks. What is the optimal amount of sleep? So I would say that it differs from person to person, and it's quite hard to tell. Um, But based on the recommendations through age group, the recommended amount of sleep, obviously for a baby, a baby sleeps loads anyway, but from three to five years is 10 to 13 hours per 24 hours. This is including naps. Six to 12 years or nine, to, uh, so six to 12 years is nine to 12 hours. 13 to 18 is eight to 10 hours. Adults are at least, well, not at least, but ideally seven plus 7.5 is around about the sweet spot. There was a study done. Um, oh God, I can't even remember what the name of the study was. Now you find that I say this a lot because I've not got a great memory. But the study was basically done where they took humans and put them in like a, a dark room for, for 12 hours. And within that 12 hours, this was the time that they slept. They went about their normal lives during the day. So they put them in this room with no distractions, no phones, no TVs, literally a dark room and a comfortable bed. And they said, sleep as much as you want. Sleep as much as you want within that 12 hours. So they, And this is like done through a, a massive kind of group of people and it was in a controlled environment. So what they did was they told the people sleep as much as you want so the first few days people were sleeping a little bit longer so they were sleeping like 10 11 hours because it was the only thing they had to do but eventually what they found happened was over time people got down to around about the average of 7.5 to 8 hours so to me what this study was trying to show was that if given a full 12 hours to sleep as much as you want the body, the human body naturally will aim towards that 7.5 to 8 hours. So this is pretty much in line with the recommendation is this is kind of around about the amount of time that you should be sleeping. And what it also tells you is that in theory, the body doesn't really need any more than that. Like it doesn't need 9, 10, 11 hours unless it's really catching up on sleep. I don't really know many people that sleep 9 plus hours a night. Um, and if you do, I'm pretty sure you feel pretty pretty good when you wake up. But anything beyond that, you know, when you're catching up on sleep, you end up feeling like pretty shitty when you wake up. And there's, there's reason behind that, which I won't go into too much. So like, as we know, within the human population, there are outliers. There are people that don't really need much sleep. 
And for some people, this is fact, but for some people, they'll just say that, I didn't need to sleep back. I had sleep when you're dead. Like, yeah, it's fine saying that, but you're only saying that because you've normalized five hours of sleep or you've normalized four and a half hours of sleep. Or as we stated before, you might have some sort of condition that means that you can't sleep. And that's not for me to comment on because I don't know anything really about it. Well, I don't know much about it. Um, I know for a fact, personally, I've got my whoop band, so my whoop band records my sleep, and I know how much I sleep every night, I know how much deep sleep I'm in, I mean roughly, I know how much deep sleep I'm in, I know how much light sleep I'm in, I know how much I wake up, I know when I've gone up for a piss, like I literally have the data there, which is, I quite like, I quite enjoy that, like I like to see how much I sleep, Um, but I know for a fact, if I sleep under six hours, I'm a twat, I'm a cunt, I'm a prick. Um, and that's not who I want to be. Um, I'm just a generally moody, I'm forget more, my energy's off, I need a nap, like anything under six hours is not ideal. Um, I also want to state as well, like I always say this when I speak about sleep, is like if you have young kids, a lot of this is void. Like a lot of this is just a case of, right, let's um, let's buckle up because this is going to be a hard ride. If you're not good without sleep, then yeah, it's just going to be a difficult few years of your life perhaps. I say a few, maybe 10. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, we know for a fact that anything under seven hours is associated with, like, uh, increased chance of cardiovascular disease and increased chance of, like, poor co- well, cognitive, cognitive performance and mental health. Like, sleeping less is linked to lots of negative outcomes. It just goes without saying. Um, I think everyone knows that. But not everyone respects that fact and tries to do anything about it. So I think it's quite important to actually now like think about what's involved in the different stages of sleep. So like as we know with sleep, it is responsible for repairing muscles, the repairing of bone, managing hormones, restoring brain power. Literally, it is it's it's essentially clearing out all the clearing out all the nonsense of the day within your brain and filtering it out. It's almost like it's probably the closest thing to an actual detox you will ever get is sleeping. Your body essentially is detoxing your body um, because a lot of people speak about, oh, I'm going to have this detox shake or I'm going to have this detox smoothie or something like that. It's fucking nonsense. Like You don't necessarily detox your body with a smoothie that you get out of Tesco. Your body naturally detoxes itself. And it does this through four stages of sleep there's arguably more stages of sleep but like if we keep it really simple there's a few different stages so we have they're categorized as two things so we've got non-REM non-REM sleep and REM sleep so REM R-E-M stands for rapid eye movement so the way that they know if you're in like in the studies that they do around about sleep the the way that they know if you're in deep sleep or stage one stage two stage three is the movement of your eyes so if you were to actually see behind your eyes, see behind your eyelid when you were in a deep sleep, they'd be rapidly moving. Hence the word rapidly, rapid eye movement. Like they move about. Just imagine a little googly eye, like just shaking side to side. It's kind of what's happening. Um, so in non-REM sleep, this happens um, first and includes three stages. And the last stage of non-REM sleep is when you sleep deeply. So it's really hard to wake you up from that stage of sleep. And then REM sleep happens about an hour to an hour and a half after falling asleep. Most people say around about 90 minutes. And this is when you tend to have your vivid dreams. Um, so all of these different stages of sleep are important in their own way. Um, and if you get little of any of these stages, then it's not necessarily helpful for you. Um, so stage one is essentially when you transition from wakefulness to sleep. 
only lasts a few minutes. It's the lightest stage of sleep. It's um, it's it's essentially the part of the body. It's the part of sleep when you begin to get sleepy and you eventually fall asleep and your muscles begin to relax and your heartbeat and your breathing slow down. Stage two, um, <clears throat> it comprises like the largest percentage of total sleep time. So this is considered a lighter stage of sleep from which you can be like awakened easily as well. Um, and this is pretty much, this is where a lot of the population get most of their sleep so why is that not muted i have literally turned it off oh my god it's right i'm, I'm gonna have to throw my head at this computer eventually like i'm literally in do not disturb mode but still getting messages through um anyway let's not try and get too annoyed at that ryan um so at this stage there's no eye movement your body temperature begins to drop and your heartbeat and your breathing slow down even further and this is the stage of sleep which some people will sleep in pretty much all night and they will not get to but not that it's not that they're not going to get to stage three or stage four but they'll get very little of it and i can tell this from my like whoop band as to when i've had really good deep sleep or when i've been in light sleep and there's reasons reasoning behind why i wouldn't get into these stages of sleep very well um, so stage three is the final stage of non-REM sleep and it's the deepest sleep stage you'll be hard to get woken up from and you perform a variety of like important like health promoting tasks in this in this stage so it is your heart rate and your breathing are at their slowest rate there are no eye movements the body is fully relaxed delta brain waves are present tissue repair, growth and cell regeneration occurs, immune system strengthens. What I talked about with the brain, almost like this detoxing type kind of uh, scenarios going on. Um, and yeah, then you move into the last stage. So this is REM sleep. So this is stage, like the last stage of sleep. So this is the deepest, well, this is a very deep version of sleep. So it occurs around about 90 minutes after you fall asleep. And this is the primary dreaming stage. So this is where you're going to be dreaming about all sorts. Um, at this point, your, your breathing and your heart rate actually increases and becomes more variable. Your muscles become can become like literally paralyzed, but like twitches may occur. Um, brain activity is marketedly in increased. Like this is where, as I said, you're having like dreams and things like that. And when you fall asleep at night, you cycle through all of these stages of sleep multiple times, like roughly every 90 minutes or so. Um, and it's important to know that as well. So we want to go through maybe, well, I can't even think of how many 90 minutes would be in the amount of sleep that we would want. It's depending on how much you actually sleep. But we want to get to this stage. Like we want to get to stage three and stage four. But there are a couple of things that might happen that would stop us getting into these stages. Things like caffeine, things like stimulants, things like loads of bright light in your eyes, a lot of stress and a lot of noise, a bad, like the, the wrong temperature in your room, too much light in your room. There's a lot of things that can affect this. And we need to think that if we're not getting to stage three and into REM sleep every single night, then we are not essentially restoring the most important function to, functions of your body. And doing that over an extended amount of time is not going to be good for your health. Like, oh yeah, that happens maybe once every now and again, you maybe go out for a bevy. And you, this is why when you go out for a drink, you feel as though you're in really, really deep sleep. But what's probably happening is you're maybe getting to stage two and you're falling into this really, what you would perceive as a deep sleep, but you're literally just a comatose from the alcohol. Like your brain is literally just like, it's literally just been like blacked out from the alcohol. So when you've actually woken up, you've not had much of this restorative sleep, hence why you feel super duper tired. 
um, and fatigued the next day because you're not getting this quality sleep. You're just getting this light sleep. Um, so yeah, people say, when people say like, ah, oh, I just need a, a new drink to get me to sleep. Yeah, it's probably putting you to sleep, but it's not helping the quality of your sleep or your, or your health. Unfortunately, I'm sorry to tell you. Oh God, what have I done now? I'm really having a nightmare here today. This thing's taking the piss out of me. Um, so, if we, I mean, we could dive into a little bit more in terms of um, what happens within these stages. So in terms of the percentage, so light sleep, the first stage takes up about 5%. Stage two takes up about 45%. Stage three takes up about 25%. And stage four takes up about 25%. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I'm, I'm not going to go into much deeper than that. But <clears throat> yeah, sorry, I'm just, I'm, I'm reading through this little bit that I've got written. It's an absolute gibberish um i don't even know how i i can read this but another thing that's quite interesting that i've been doing lately as well is using my whoop band i've been figuring out what stage of sleep that i'm waking up in so if i wake up at six o'clock what i've found is that i'm actually then going into a slightly deeper um a deeper sleep therefore when i my alarm goes off it's actually harder for me to get up this is why you sometimes find that um Say, for example, you get up at half five and you just pop up out of bed and you're like, that was weird. How did I get up so easy this morning? But then you try to get up at quarter past six and you're like, fucking hell, like, oh my God, I can't get up. That's because you're perhaps in a different stage of sleep. That's quite interesting. I never thought about that, but I can strategically decide that it's actually going to be easier for me to get up at half five than it is for me to get up at quarter past six um, because of the stage of sleep that I'm in. Oh, this phone's going to get chucked out the window. Right, how do I get this off? Apologies, this is not ideal in the slightest for uh, for the podcast. Um, you know what? I'm going to actually have to leave this conversation. Actually, no, wait, do not disturb. That would maybe be better. Right? I think it would offend some of my family members if I, if I dis- decided to leave the leave the group chat um, literally two days after being created. Um but yeah, this would be a good time to tell you about our, our sponsor. Don't skip. Please don't skip. I know I skip this part every single time I'm on a podcast, but don't skip. I'm here to tell you a little bit about Colin M. Smith's Enforfer, Breakin, Kitty and Arbroath. Not Dundee. The first podcast, I said it was in Dundee. It's not in Dundee. That's a lie. They just deliver to the area in Dundee. Um, and if you are wanting a TV, a washing machine, an air fryer, just like anything electrical, any electrical appliance or anything along those lines that you're after, you need to go down to Colin M. Smith. I've also got a website, um, but if you drop by for for Johnny will Johnny will sort you out with anything that you're needing. Their deals are very good. I got my TV there. Um, I actually need a new dishwasher. I've been saying this for weeks. So I've just been hand washing stuff, but it's just it's getting on it's getting on my nerves now, and I'm needing to change. Um, and it's taking away from my vital my vital time that I could be sleeping because I always seem to have to do the dishes right before I go to bed. And that stresses me out. And stress is not something that you want to attach to, to bedtime. Um, so something that we want to do based on what I've just said is stay in deep sleep. You definitely want to stay in deep sleep. That's important. And how do we then do that? Well, let me tell you, let me tell me right, tell you right now. Um, so, I'll need to read off a little screed here. So your sleep cycle is regulated by circadian rhythm. So circadian rhythm is based on is based on the natural cycle of the sun and the moon and when it comes up and when it goes down. 
and this is controlled by a part of the brain called the suprachiasmatic nucleus. Um, and you get messages into that part of the brain through your eyes. So your eyes are really important. And this is why that um, when you wake up in the morning, this is why people recommend that you get sunlight in your eyes really early. It's hard right now at this time of the year because it is pitch black most of the time. Um, but you being able to get sunlight at the earliest point during the day, so when the sun comes out or when it gets bright, getting some sun in your eyes will help your body understand, okay, this is me waking up. This is me. This is this where the cycle starts, and this is where the hormones within your body start start going through their wakey up process. <laughs> so it's, this is why it's hard at this time of the year in Scotland, like because it's dark and it's just hard to get going. Like you shouldn't blame yourself for that because that's literally a fundamental function of the human body that it wants sunlight first thing in the morning. Hence, why when you wake up on holiday and it's sunny, you're just like, what day? Like I'm so happy. I'm I'm good to go. I feel like I've got loads of energy. So that is something that's quite important as well, and. It's important in the other senses because if you're watching Netflix and the screen's super duper bright or you're staring at TikTok on your phone and just flashing that light in your eyeballs just before you want to go to bed, well, your body isn't secreting the natural hormones that it wants. So it secretes melatonin within the body that puts you into this sleepiness kind of state. If we're getting light in our eyes, it's actually stopping that process happening as quick as we want it to. So... I would recommend putting your phone away at least 30 minutes before you try to get to sleep because you're going to be upsetting the body's ability to get into its first deep sleep cycle. Um, and that is not what we want to do. So, and another kind of thing that we should think about is that I can never, I'll try to remember this one off the top of my head. I've not got this written down or anything, but essentially if we upset that first, that first cycle of sleep, that first cycle of sleep is really important. So if we upset that with any sort of thing like bright light or too much caffeine, then what can happen is we can almost op offset that first cycle. And that first cycle is really important for promoting human growth hormone into the body. So this is essentially human growth hormone is what's going to help us recover, build muscle and build strength. So if we upset that first cycle, then it doesn't happen quite as efficiently. That's a really simplified way of saying it, but it's, it's not, I didn't just make that up. I promise it's true. Um, also the Body generally hovers around about 37 degrees Celsius, but fluctuates by around about two degrees. This is two degrees Fahrenheit, that is. Um, Fahrenheit confuses me. Um, through the night. So the body, the drop in temperature starts around about two hours before you go to sleep. And it coincides with the release of the hormone that I was just talking about, melatonin. Um, and during sleep, your body temperature continues to fall, reaching a low point in the early morning and then gradually warming up as the morning progresses. So lowering the thermostat at night can work in tandem with these natural kind of fluctuations signaling to, to the body that bedtime is approaching so being like absolutely roasting at night is is probably not a good idea like being kind of like cool being in a cool environment um i can't exactly remember the exact temperature i did write it down somewhere but i can't remember can help you um and another way that you can think about this as well is that um if we say, for example, like when your body begins to wake up in the morning, like it literally heats up. So it cools down at night and it heats up in the morning to try and wake you up. So if you're like, you know what it feels like in the summer when it's too hot, like you wake up quite a bit during the night. But 
if you have your heating on too warm at night, there's a good chance that you're going to be waking up at stupid o'clock in the morning because your body is going to heat it up to that temperature that wakes it up and it's going to be even harder to get back to sleep. So a cool room is going to be helpful. And I think I had someone describe it to me as well. A room that's cool enough that when you get into bed, you're like, oh God, thank God I'm in bed. Like it's warm in here. Not a bed that's like, like I'm already roasting before I even step foot in the bed. It's, it's different if you've got a baby, by the way, because like if you've got a baby or a young child, they do kind of need the room warmer than you. Um, so this is applies if you're single, no kids, and like you want to have a little bit of not a cold within the room, but a, just a coolness that's going to massively help you get to sleep. I have no doubt about it. Why is this laptop taking the piss out of me today? It really is. It's really, really taking the piss out of me. What is actually going on here? I apparently can't go to the next page now. There we go. The negative effects of bad sleep. I have talked about a few of them today already. Um, how long have you got? Because I could list off about a million different things here. So negative, asleep, negative side effects of sleep deprivation. Now, there's acute effects which would happen over one night of bad sleep. And then there are pretty kind of like chronic effects that could happen over months and years of really terrible sleep like if you're sleeping bad like over an extended amount of time you're pretty much on a fast track to some like negative effects i mean you might be fine you might be but i'm going to be honest there's a lot of kind of negative effects here now impaired judgment memory memory lapses cognitive impairment decreased creativity creativity easy for me to say increased stress irritability respiratory problems risk of like lung disease, risk of type 2 diabetes, risk of like inflammation around the body, re increased reaction time, decreased reaction time, decreased actuary tremors, aches, increased heart rate, risk of heart disease, hypertension, impaired immune system, difficulty digesting, gut complications, colds, tummy problems, stomach problems, difficulty learning, headaches, migraines, weight gain, poor vision, depleted sex drive, mood swings, um, muscle, muscle repair and regeneration um, ends up being worse. You have a higher perceived exertion, so a higher RPE. If you're in the gym and you're doing back squat and you've had a hard, um, a shit night's sleep, that 60 kilograms that was easy last week will feel much harder. You've all experienced this. Your immune function, I said that already, uh, muscle glycogen uh, repletion. So that's like your body's ability to restore itself through food. Um, so if you eat a bowl of oats after a really bad sleep, you don't get as much glycogen because the glycogen is being used to help you with that poor sleep. So it's not used as well within your body where it needs to be. Your pain sensitivity goes up. Your risk of exercise-related injuries goes up your risk of chronic health diseases goes up and your massive impact on he mental health. I know I repeated a few things there, but yeah. And in the longer term, things like, again, I'm, I'm not meaning to like, I'm not scaremongering here. I'm just, I'm stating it how it is. Like risk of dementia, Alzheimer's, and pretty much every negative outcome possible. So sleep is not something to be disrespected. You will not sleep when you're deed. You will be deed when you sleep. Um, I'm not even sure if that makes sense, but I think you get the point. But yes, the positive effects of good sleep. Um, there are plenty of them, just the same as there are plenty negative effects of bad sleep. So increased serotonin activity, aka you will be happier. 
you will find things more pleasant. You will and having more enjoyment out of life. Optimal functioning of the temporal lobe, which essentially just means you've got better air. Uh, like better memory and things like that. Decreased chance of developing neurodegenerative disorders, which is like what I stated about Alzheimer's and dementia and things like that. Um, improved memory recall, reduced mental fatigue, um, performance within your job, faster reaction times, increased critical thinking and problem-solving skills. Um, you can regulate your metabolism better. There's better hormone balance. You have clearer skin, boosted immune system, um, like the actual daily buildup of toxins will be removed more easily, um, decreased chance of heart conditions and diabetes, decreased um, depression, anxiety, stress, improved um, IQ, literally like on a better sleep, your IQ will be higher than it is without good sleep, your emotional responsiveness. So like a stressful situation happens, you'll be able to respond to it better, increased positive emotions, more efficient recovery, um, decreased aggressive behavior and social withdrawal, less likely to self-harm. Obviously, that goes without saying. Increased compliance and attentiveness, improved mood regulation. So you can tell I read them with a list, but it's a positive list. So at this point, we're probably bored to death of like all the educational side of things and like what sleep is and how it works and the negative effects. So I want to now give you First of all, a list of things that can disrupt sleep. And these are the more than more likely ones that you'll be affected by right now. So if you're listening to this, you probably are thinking like, okay, well, like, but how do I fix this particular thing that is causing me bother? That's meaning that I'm not sleeping good. Like and it's fine, it's fine you telling me all these things that are negatively affecting my sleep, but let me know how to fix certain things. So caffeine, I've said it once, I've said it again keep the caffeine away from bedtime because yes oh, i don't i can have a coffee and i can sleep i sleep fine yeah you do but you're not getting that same that same sleep as everyone else like there's a known fact that some people can metabolize caffeine better than others which means some people it leaves their body and leaves their system quicker than others um and this is true for people that perhaps drink a lot of coffee um because their bodies just become more adept at dealing with it but um, if you reduce caffeine overall and reduce caffeine around about bedtime. So my, my rule is like I wake up in the morning and have a coffee about 90 minutes after I wake up. That's a kind of another conversation that I'm not going to dive too much into because I've done it a few times before. Um, but I cut off coffee or caffeine in general, Red Bull, caffeine, whatever it is, Diet Coke, Coke, um, at around about two o'clock. So that coffee, slash, well, not coffee, caffeine has a half-life of around about five hours which means it's still in your system five hours after you have it. So if you're having a coffee at tea time at six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, then it's still in your system and you're not finding it as easy to sleep. As much as you may be sleeping perceived sleep, you're not sleeping as well. You could be sleeping better and have more restorative sleep, more deep sleep. Um, noise goes without saying, like if there's too much noise in your room, then like you probably don't sleep as well. Um, this is another one. This is one that I've only really learned about much uh, lately is mouth breathing. So snoring or not having great nasal breathing. This, uh, funnily enough, just sniffed there. That was not meant. Um, so there is a reason that nasal breathing is important for when you're sleeping. Reason being is nasal breathing is 
linked, well, not linked to, it allows for a larger volume of breath. Oxygen oxygen intake is 10 to 15% more through your nose. Now imagine the amount of breaths that you take during the night and then imagine getting 10 to 15% more oxygen in every time that you breathe. That's important. Um, it also causes a feeling of calmness. It brings your parasympathetic nervous system like down. Um, it mixes... Yeah, never mind about this. But to be fair, no, this is an important factor. The, it mixes the air with nitri nitric oxide, which is actually like, well, nitrogen is something that we're actually breathing in more than oxygen. We don't we don't really know that. So it's always like when you breathe in the oxygen outside, you're actually breathing in more like nitric um, oxide than, than oxygen. Don't quote me on that. I would need to fact check that. But I'm pretty sure that's that's true. Um which is antiviral and antibacterial. It's more means you're more resistant to illness and and you heal faster. Um, it stimulates proper growth of the maxilla in children. I'm not gonna lie, I don't know what that means, but I'm I'm reading it. Um, decreased risk of sleep sleep apnea and fully and and what else can happen as well is this was a this blew my mind actually is that if someone is a mouth breather, especially within their developmental years, their um their facial features will not develop as well. You can like this this professional guy on this podcast I was listening to was basically saying that you can tell a mouth breather by looking at them because their cheek structure and their mouth structure is not as well developed. So this would be a shout out to anyone that's a snorer to get it sorted out as much as you can. There are things that you can do. Um, things like, well, there's literally like mouth patches that you can, like I've got them just now and it's, it's bizarre. Like the first time that you use it, it's literally like, it's almost like a bit of tape that goes over your mouth. And I wouldn't recommend just doing this if you've got really bad snoring or really bad nasal breathing. I wouldn't recommend doing this. I'm not taking the flack for anyone um, dying because they couldn't breathe during the night. But I've tried this lately just to promote more nasal breathing. And you've also got, I don't, you've probably seen them before, the nasal strips. So the strips that go over the, the front of your nose, they look a bit stupid, but when you're sleeping, nobody's going to care. If you are not breathing through your nose during sleep and you're mouth breathing and you're snoring, here is one of the easiest it's not easy, by the way. Here's one of the main things that I would be doing first and foremost. Promote nasal breathing. You will wake up in the morning feeling 10 times more rested. If you sort out your snoring, your sleep will change like it completely. Sort your snoring out, sort your mouth breathing, and your sleep will just change forever. I swear, Dan, I've read a lot about this lately, and it's it's crazy. Um, and the problem with snoring is as well is that it's not your problem. It's probably the person lying next to you's problem. Um, and it can be quite a friction-filled topic where it's hard to actually tell your partner, go and fucking do something about that. But there are things that you can do. Even you could go as far as what some of the bodybuilders do. So as we know with like really big bodybuilders or strong men, for example, the Stoltmans, they have this massive chunky neck and massive shoulders massively developed muscles within that area because of all the work they do so they struggle to breathe through their nose because their airwaves are actually quite squashed together because of their muscles so what they do is they actually use a CPAP machine so you know the one where you see people um in the hospital and it goes like it makes that sound and the beep and um, it's kind of like Darth Vader um you can get home versions of these now I'm not saying they're cheap or anything but if you suffer with really bad breathing at night these things can be fucking massively helpful. And it may seem a bit weird, but I've heard of a lot of bodybuilders using them. So if you're someone that struggles with breathing during the night, recommend it. Um, I talked about screens already. Um, 
making sure that your settings on your phone, you get into the into the settings, change it to like reducing blue light and reducing bright light, make sure your your actual um, display kind of brightness is down. Um, food intake is important as well. So having massive meals just before you go to sleep is not a good idea because you ideally you want to have had your last meal within at least two hours of going to bed. That is the ideal scenario. I'm not saying you can't have a wee snack or you can't have a drink of something. Um, I typically have like a peppermint tea before I go to sleep. Um, and will mean that like your body is not and it's like a digestive state is not a sleeping state. Like digestion is a state that is typically taken as like you typically do that when you're awake. So if your body's working to digest stuff within your stomach, it takes away from its ability to actually fully rest and to sleep. Because just imagine like, it's almost like, I don't know, it's almost like stopping the car outside in the car park, but leaving the ignition on and just letting it run run over, like you're wasting fuel. But I suppose it's not the same analogy, but it's kind of, it, I suppose it makes sense. Um, and it'll spike your insulin, spike your blood sugar, and your body will just be on. And we want it to be coming down. We want the temperature to be lowering. Um, this is why, like, I don't know. I don't know if anyone's ever done it before. Like, you've maybe come home from football or you maybe come home from, like, the gym and you've eaten a big meal and then you can just sit there, like, just staring at the roof. Like, I'm just still so switched on. It's because your body's switched on. Um, water intake is another one. So peeing. Um, I know a lot of us will be very much into drinking a lot of water because it's good for our health. But what I've started to do over the past few months is really tail off water intake two hours before I go to sleep. So water intake has been like, in, not intense, but it's been like heavy through the day. Like I've drank a lot of made sure I was drinking a lot from the minute I woke up and then I tried to tail it off so that I do my last pee before I go to bed and I don't need again before I wake up or I at least only need once. Because if you're getting up three times a night for a pee, it's taken away from your sleep. You could be waking up like in a vital stage of sleep. Um, partner and kids are obviously a massive one as well. Like you want to create a, a healthy sleeping environment. Um, you might want to go with the Scandinavian um, technique where you actually sleep with your partner until about eight o'clock. Um, and then you go, right, I'm going to sleep. Well, not many people go to sleep at eight o'clock, but you get the point. Um, and then they actually then leave the bedroom and go and sleep in their own bed. But that would only be on extreme measures. I'm not telling people to do this, by the way. I don't do it before anyone asks. Um, I don't do that. I literally I sleep in the same bed as, as Ellie. But um, for people that are having real trouble with like their partners like um, snoring or they're having real trouble with the fact that one of their, their partner gets up at five and they get up like three hours later and waking them up, try it. Maybe try it. It's, it's, it doesn't mean you, you don't love each other. Maybe just try it and Another problem that I have is living above a pub, which can sometimes be a slight problem when you've got a bass guitar rattling your skull against the against the bed, um, and all you can hear is fucking Sweet Caroline playing. It's not really vital for sleep, but we've, we've began to deal with it, and it only really happens on a Saturday night. Um, so finally, sleep supplements that work. Um, so the ones that. I would very much recommend for people that struggle to get to sleep, people that struggle to not necessarily get into a deep sleep, but people that like want a little bit of assistance getting to sleep. Three supplements, these sometimes come come as like a combination. They will tend to come as a combination. I know that. So it's magnesium, theraonate, apigenin, and theanine. So magnesium, theranate, apigen, and theanine. So they can sometimes come all as a one-er. 
and the recommended dosage per night is 145 milligrams of the magnesium, 55 milligrams of the apogen, and 100 to 400 grams of the theanine. Ashwagandha is sometimes something that people recommend. Um, I have had ashwagandha alongside magnesium silanate, is it? Is that how you pronounce it? Paul, there's loads of different variations of this, so apologies if I've got it wrong, but I can send someone over this if they if they want to know, um, if they want to kind of try to order this and they want me to recommend a, a decent one, one that's not just like some cheap shit um, with a really low dosage. Um, and this is recommended to have 30 to 60 minutes before bedtime. And I have, I've, I've sampled this and what it did for me was it made me a bit drowsier a bit early. And I like taking this when I'm maybe having a week where I'm slightly more stressed and I know I've got to get up early in the morning. Um, only thing to be aware is your dreams are fucking wacky. Like they really are pretty weird. Um, I've had some strange dreams off the back of this and I'm, I can only assume that it's because of this because it's putting me in this kind of like drowsy state. Um, don't recommend, I know you can't really get it here, but I know like certain people like maybe get melatonin and stuff like that. Don't recommend that. It's not something to rely on. Um, try to think of anything else. I think that's pretty much it. That's I would wouldn't go as far as recommending really anything else, um, because I'm not like exactly well versed in this research, and I'm not someone that's in a position to recommend supplements as such. But this is just something I've tried, and it's something that's pretty well recommended around the around the research based science. Um, so yeah. I think that's pretty much it. No, I've got another one. I've got another one. So sleeping habits, sleeping habits that I've tried and have really helped me. Um, so modifying my environment is probably the main thing. Lumi lamps um, is essentially like a alarm clock that lights up your room, which can almost like uh, artificially create this, this light that you want to be coming in your room in the morning. How nice is it when you wake up in the summer and the sun just comes through and you wake up naturally and it's all amazing. And you look outside and like Bambi's standing there and, You've just had a it's just had a great morning. It never happens. Um, anyway, you wake up naturally. Um, timing your heating so that you get like a little bit of heat on the maybe the half an hour that you wake up. The the room just gets warmer, so it's a little bit easier for you to get up. How hard is it to get up when you know you're about to walk through a fucking freezing cold hallway? It's just another thing that creates friction between you waking up and getting in the shower and getting your breakfast. Um, not snoozing your alarm is a good habit to get into because it helps your brain have this trigger that. When I wake up, I get up. Not when I wake up, I go back to sleep for maybe, hmm, I don't know, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour, sleep in. Take away that. Um, try not to wake your partner when you're getting up. Set your clothes up and stuff like that in another room. Try not to be one of these people that's like getting up and like slamming wardrobes and fucking turning lights on. Like you, if that's you, you're a fucking prick to live with, I'm telling you. Um, time in your sleep cycles, like I spoke about earlier. Consistent bedtimes. Um, don't use your phone in the morning. Try to get sunlight or artificial light first thing in the morning when you can. Remove friction between you waking up and getting to the first thing that you need to do. Try and prepare some stuff the night before. It makes it 10 times easier to wake up. Um, paying off your sleep debt, debt is something that's quite hard as well. Like if you've only slept five hours one night, you don't really make up for it, but then sleeping 12 the next night is not really how it works. I would recommend, yes, getting back to getting as much sleep as you as you can, but not overcooking it because sometimes more sleep doesn't necessarily help. It's a case of you getting you back into a rhythm, getting back into that natural kind of wake and sleep cycle that's going to help. Um, and I talked about the nasal strips, the mouth covers, and the CPAP. The main thing that everyone talks about when it comes to sleep is regularity. Regularity, continuity, consistency is the word that you're looking for. Try to make things the same most nights. 
try to wake up and fall asleep within around about half an hour of like each other every single night. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I know it's harder on the weekend because you're maybe doing something. But if you can wake up and fall asleep near enough the same time, your body likes that. It likes that a lot because it gets into these natural cycles. So it knows every time it goes to sleep, okay, this is the first 90 minutes, then it's the second 90 minutes. And then I'm in this normal cycle. And I, you have more predictability around about the way that you're going to feel the next day. It's not like you wake up on a Thursday absolutely fucked because you've maybe slept a little bit different. Like regularity is the main thing here when it comes to getting good sleep and modifying your environment to make sure it was a healthy sleeping environment. Um, so yeah, hopefully you took away something from that. I know it was pretty heavy. It was pretty heavy and maybe a little bit boring, but I think off the back of that, you will have been able to improve something about your sleep that you're maybe not currently doing. So yeah, share if you watch. If you watched, you're not watching, you're listening. Share if you listened.